What is up? You are watching the fifth week of the college across season, and this is our uh, weekday recap from the games from this week, and we're going to do uh, some reviews of the games that are coming up. I'm going to one-take this. Uh, normally, we kind of do this in segments, or I kind of record this in segments, and I piece it together after. Uh, moving forward, we're going to try to move into doing a live show. So let us know what you think about that. We're going to try to do the show live so that we record it. We it's, it's it's up there for the world to see, and then we're done at the end rather than having to spend hours editing it together after. So let me know what you think about that. As always, be sure to like, subscribe, and hit the notification bell if you'd like to be notified when we put new videos out. And I'm going to dive right into this here. So first game I wanted to talk about was, holy crap, the Duke-Loyola game. Uh, Loyola traveled and played at Duke. The result, Duke wins 12-7. It wasn't that close. Uh, it was 11-3 uh, going into the fourth quarter, and uh, Loyola outscored Duke in the fourth quarter 4-1 to to kind of chip back into it. Stover for Loyola, he did not play that bad. He ends up with 15 saves versus 12 goals against. Uh, once Loyola went into that zone late, uh, they settled, and instead of giving Nakai Montgomery eight-yard step-downs, they started forcing Duke to shoot outside a little bit more, and they probably are wishing they did that from the beginning of the game, and that's where Stover um, stepped up and played a little bit more solid. Story of the day, though, Duke's defense. They they Hats off to the Duke defensive coaching staff and Coach Donowski because I had said that we weren't going to see another team play Loyola that tough defensively uh, after the Towson game, and I was wrong. Duke executed a very similar game plan to Towson flawlessly. It involved covering Pat Spencer tough on man-on-man, on man, trying not to slide to him too often, but being ready to go to disrupt where necessary. Sticks were up all over the field to try to cut down his passing lanes, and that was very effective as Duke knocked down a lot of passes on the day. They played incredible off-ball defense despite having to play incredible help defense at the same time. And uh, what we saw was where teams can put a tough player on Pat Spencer and where that player matches up well against him. Teams can neutralize him to a degree. You're never going to take him out of the game, but they did as well as as you could ever expect. He, he ends up with just a goal and two assists. So that was huge. The other story was Lindley. Uh, Lindley for Loyola, he had been tearing it up for Loyola off ball. He doesn't even get a shot in this game until under inside nine minutes left in the fourth quarter. So they, they quieted Lindley down. So that was one of the things Towson was able to do. They were able to shut Loyola down, but they were they, they gave up a lot of off-ball goals uh, still. And, uh, and in this case, it was Chase Scanlon. Chase Scanlon probably benefited a little bit from the attention paid to stopping uh, Spencer and then stopping some of the off-ball guys. Scanlon goes for three and two. Is there a better young guy playing lacrosse right now, though? Than Chase Scanlon uh, in the telecast. I think it was Kark was trying to compare him to Lyle Thompson. And as Kark said it, he, he was all excited. Like, you know who I want to compare him to. And I was thinking in my head right away, he's going to say Jeff Teat because I've already thought that about Scanlon, the hair. I think he had, he has Teat's haircut from last year, uh, the way they carry their stick, just the way they, they can score goals or feed, depending on what you give them. I think Scanlon reminds me of Teat, but he's an incredible lacrosse player. Duke offensively, Incredible. Nakai Montgomery, four goals, mostly just sniping from outside. I think his first goal was the kind of coming up underneath and going, you know, sticking one close, bearing one tight. And then his other goals were just sniping from outside. Step down shots from 10 yards. You cannot give that kid a step down shot from 10, 10 yards. Uh, and, it, and they talked in the telecast about he had troubles elevating. He needs to start learning to elevate his shot a little bit. But holy crap. 
it, it, he's got a cannon on him, and I haven't seen a guy just bury shots low. It's not like he's bouncing them in past goalies. He's just burying them low. Uh, uh, Ryan Powell likes to always uh, say he gave him the high hard one uh, when he's doing Syracuse games, and he doesn't give guys the high hard one. He just buries shit low on goalies, and it's painful to watch for goalies because they can barely get down on the ball. Now later in the game, as he was for as he was taking those twelve. 14-yard shots, Stover made a save or two on him where he maybe should have buried it high. But either way, Nikai Montgomery, incredible game, four goals. Joey Manown, four goals. Brad Smith is starting to look like himself. He went two and three on the day. On Manown's goals, they were tough. He 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 let the game come to him. That was one of the things Donowski had commented on, and he scored his goals, picking up ground balls off the deck, catching really tough-to-catch feeds on passes that, that were you know dealt to him through multiple defender's sticks, and those are the hardest as an attackman to catch, is when you're standing there waiting for a pass to come through a defender's stick, and you don't know if it's going to get tipped. So he had a great game. Uh, stories of the game, Turner Upgren, when, when Loyola did get their few shots, because the Duke defense held Loyola to only 22 shots, 17 on cage, Upgren turning out 10 saves, on seven goals against is incredible. 17 shots faced and he comes up with 10 saves. And that was huge for Duke because every time Loyola would try to dig back into it, Upgren comes up with a save. Duke, there was two occasions where Upgren came up with a big save and then Duke went down the other end and ended up getting a goal out of that possession. And, you know, instead of letting them chip away at the lead and get back within a goal, Upgren save turns into another Duke goal. And that's how this kind of perfectly snowballed out of control for, for Loyola. Um, the Duke defense executed that game plan flawlessly. They won the ground ball battle, the loose ball battle, I should say, on the defensive end because they knocked a lot of balls down and then came up with those loose balls and took off upfield. Um, they won the game between the boxes. They outground balled Loyola. I think they almost doubled him up. It was 30 to 18 or some crap like that. So that was huge. Duke's at 6-1 and one now. I believe that's, what, a five-game uh, win streak for Duke now. Loyola sitting now at, I believe, they're 4-2. and two. So incredible game from two of the top teams in the country. If they played this game again tomorrow, don't think for a second it would go down like this. It could, but Loyola could flip the script if these teams face each other again in the playoffs. Loyola could just as easily flip the script and do this to Duke. Uh, they have to shore some things up defensively for sure, but let's not pretend like this was Duke just dominating because they're the better team. They dominated because they had a better game plan, it would seem, going in. They executed their game plan more effectively, it would seem, and they got a huge day out of their goalie. Uh, on the flip side, Loyola came out. They didn't have a lot of energy. When you look at the ground ball numbers and the shots on K, just the shots in general, 22 shots. I think Duke doubled them up on shots, almost doubled them up on ground balls. That's huge, and that that tells me that it feels like one of those weekday losses. As a coach, um, when I coached at Broome, if you were to have, if you were going to get upset by somebody, it was probably going to come on a Tuesday or a, a Thursday game. For some reason, it just seems like if you're ever going to play an off game, those would always come during the weekdays, and the weekends just have a better flow to them. So there's a lot less playing down, I think, on weekends. So I don't know if that was what it was, but it was a freaking incredible game uh, to be certain. Now let's get to the next one. Navy Princeton, 1911 uh, Princeton comes away with the win in Annapolis. The story of this day was un unequivocally uh, Michael Sowers. Navy did not have an answer for Michael Sowers. I haven't seen a Division I team feed the beast as much as Princeton did to Sowers in this game. They just kept giving him the ball at X, giving him the ball at X, giving him the ball at X, and he made things happen. He goes 2-7 and seven on the day, which is just freaking incredible. 
uh, especially against a quality opponent like Navy. Uh, and even more importantly, he, he ends up having the ball that much. When you touch the ball that much, you're expected to turn the ball over three to five times without you know anyone being mad at you. He has zero turnovers from what I understand on the day. I don't know if that's the official stat in the end, but that was one of the things that I had heard was two goals, seven assists, touched the ball on almost every possession multiple times, zero turnovers. So that says a lot about the junior out of Princeton. He's one of my top three attackmen. I've been praising him all season and I'm excited to, to see them get into uh, uh, more games. You know, they're only, they've only played four so far. Um, Princeton's attackmen though are brutal, brutally tough. Codroy goes five and three. Uh, Phil Robertson goes five and oh, Chris Brown goes two and four. So they've got weapons, but that three man attack unit is, is, is as tough as any in the country. Uh, that Princeton puts up. So you have to be able to cover them three deep. You got to cover a someone who will end up being a Tawarton finalist in Sowers. And then I believe it's Brown is the other attackman. I mean, either way, they are brutal, a brutal cover, and they're going to be tougher teams. Two and two, it's like, ah, well, how good are they? Well, they've played some tough games, man. They lose to Virginia. That's not a bad loss. So Princeton's going to be great, but Michael Sowers is a monster. Uh, and, and I can't say enough good things about him. Uh, the next game that I wanted to talk about. It wasn't a great game, Georgetown Furman. I only wanted to talk about them because Georgetown is sitting at five and one right now. So they're handling their business and they're playing well against tough teams. So Caraway, he goes five and two against Furman. Uh, Bucaro, who I think is their best player. He's their leading scorer, at least. He goes three and three. But what they're proving is that, let's say Bucaro only goes one and two, Caraway is going to put up five or six points, that is. So Georgetown has a solid supporting cast. They're they're deep in terms of who can hurt you on any given day. So that's going to make them a dangerous team moving forward. But I just wanted to talk about them mostly because they're sitting at five and one right now. And, and that's tough. Uh, the next one I wanted to talk about. UAlbany uh, hosting UMass, and they go down 14 to eight. This apparently surprised people, and I'm not the least bit surprised. Uh, at that outcome. I fully expected UMass was probably going to win this game. UMass is tough. They played, uh, uh, who was it, Yale? Tough. And, um, they, you know, they sitting at two and three. It doesn't look it right now, but let them get into their league play, and I think that you'll see them finish slightly above 500. So they're a solid team in Albany. Albany is going to struggle. You cannot lose a player like Connor Fields that was that was such a huge part of that offense. He he was a huge reason why Dehogan Nanakoke put up so many points uh, last year. Not that Nanakoke isn't capable, but when you've got a guy like Connor Fields, even a gimpy Connor Fields, which is what Albany had last year, that frees a lot of guys up uh, and gives them a lot of space. So I wasn't surprised at the outcome. Albany at one and three, I feel I feel like they'll still be okay, uh, but they're probably going to be one and four after this weekend because they have Maryland coming, but not a surprising outcome. 14-8 UMass, that was about what I would have expected. I was thinking maybe 14-10, 14-11, somewhere in there. So Albany is going to struggle, but they will eventually figure out life without Connor Fields. And they'll, they'll, I think once they get into America East play, you're going to see them, you know, tighten things up, so to speak. Um, next up, we want to get into the games that are now coming up. Uh, this weekend. So I'm going to keep this a little bit shorter. Uh, one thing I want to see, can Mount St. Mary's get another win? They, they played Towson tough. I think they may end up being a tougher team. I think that might be a low-level team that you see pop into the mid-level uh, this season a little bit. So they interested me a little. Towson is playing at Jacksonville this Friday. What we're going to see is both Cornell and Towson each play Friday night. Now, Cornell's testing themselves a little bit more. They're playing Penn State in the nightcap uh, tonight, uh, at, uh, it's, I was hoping it was at Cornell. I had hit a buddy up and said, Hey, let's go to that Cornell Penn state game. Uh, only to realize it's being played in North Carolina, 
But uh, Penn State Cornell is the big cat game tonight. And then Towson plays Jacksonville tonight. Uh, what we're going to see on Sunday, which is going to be the biggest game of the weekend, probably, even though to me it doesn't feel like it, is Cornell and Towson play um, this weekend also. So that'll be huge. Two two huge games for Cornell this weekend and 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 two, you know, games for Towson nonetheless. Uh, another big game tonight being played at seven is uh, Villanova Penn. Where is that streaming? That's streaming on the Villanova site. So I'm not sure if that's free, but I'm, I always check the inside lacrosse D1 calendar for these games. So if you're trying to figure out where you can watch uh, some games often for free, no better place to get them than the inside lacrosse calendar. If you go to insidelacrosse.com and then click on the navigation uh, to drop down the teams for D1, and then you'll be able to drop and click on the calendar. I'm not, I have no affiliation with them. It's just what I use. So that's Friday's games. We got uh, Towson at Jacksonville. Villanova hosting Penn and Penn State uh, uh, at Cornell, technically, even though the game's being played in North Carolina. Uh, for Saturday's matchups, I think that the big game for me, being that I'm a big homer, is uh, Hopkins at Syracuse for the second year in a row. Hopkins put it on Syracuse last year. I think that it's going to be a much better matchup this year. Probably it'll be a much closer game. I think the key is going to be uh, for Syracuse, how, how are they able to uh, hold up Joey Epstein? I think Syracuse matches up okay against Marr and, and Williams. I think last year they were really badly hurt by uh, dodging, Joel Tinney dodging from the midfield, killing them. I think uh, Stanwick hurt them last year. So if, if Epstein can kind of fill that Stanwick, Stanwick role, that might be bad for Syracuse. But if Syracuse can keep him contained, I think that it'll be a close game in the end. Uh, some other games that I'm excited to see, Princeton at Rutgers, Maryland at Albany. I think Maryland's going to win this by four to five, if not more. This is not the matchup that it was last year where they played one of the best games all year in Maryland, Albany did. Um, so that doesn't have the the rivalry feeling that it used to without a Connor Fields, but without the Connors going against each other, Connor Kelly and, and Connor Fields, but it still should be a very important game. Bellarmine, Matty, yes, I got it right. Bellarmine at Utah. And I'm only curious about this game because that's a, that's a winnable game uh, for Utah. And, and I believe they're sitting at three and three right now. So can Utah in their first year make noise and start beating these mid-level, lower-level teams right off the bat? Yes. Yes, I think they can, in fact. And then the nightcap, I believe this game is being played on the West Coast is uh, Denver at Notre Dame. I think that it's being played at a, at a neutral site somewhere in California. That's at 10 o'clock tonight. I believe it is streaming somewhere. Uh, you might have to pay for it, but uh, that's going to be another big game. Notre Dame coming off their win over over Maryland and Denver coming off a win, win or a loss to North Carolina. I can't remember now. I think that Denver beat North Carolina at North Carolina. Uh, see, this is what you're going to get when we do the live show uh, from now on is every once in a while I'm going to say something stupid and, and get stumped. Um, we move on to Sunday's games. Brown at Virginia. That's always a, uh, an interesting matchup. Michigan at Yale. Yale's got a nice little home stretch here where they can get themselves back, uh, you know, back on the winning path and they'll have a very good chance to do so against Michigan. But that'll be an interesting matchup to see again because Yale defensively has been pretty bad. Uh, they've been dominating faceoffs and still playing close games. So Yale hasn't figured it all out, all out yet and Michigan's no slouch. Uh, so that'll be an interesting one. Big game. Some are calling this the biggest game of the weekend, but actually, this is weird. So this must be another one of those games. Uh, I'm just realizing this. Towson plays Cornell on Sunday, and Penn State plays Jacksonville. So this is obviously a four-game series, or a four-team series being played down in North Carolina. Um, so they're just swapping opponents and playing on Friday and, and, and Sunday night. So 
Some are calling the Cornell-Towson game the biggest game of the weekend. I'm not, just because it doesn't feel like it. Um, even though Towson is number one, and I think Cornell's number two, um, I don't think Towson's the best team in the country, and I don't think Cornell's the second best team in the country. I do think they're both top six, top seven. I think that Towson 100% deserves their number one ranking. They have the best resume right now, and you can't argue with that. They're both undefeated, both have a quality win. Well, Cornell doesn't really, but Towson, or yeah, Towson has a couple of quality wins. So to me, it doesn't feel like the biggest game of the weekend, even though I'm a Cornell fan and uh, and it is huge. So there's that. I'm just being honest. Um, but yeah, Penn State plays Jacksonville. So I think Penn State will put it on Jacksonville pretty heavily. So that is the weekend of games that you are about to watch. And one other thing, uh, I'm going to start answering questions at the end of every show too. And one of the questions is why, what's with my wardrobe? I obviously, I don't put a whole lot of thought into what I wear when I do these videos. I'm, I'm suspecting at, at points, I might even wear the same hoodie uh, back to back. And the reason I wear these same hoodies over and over and over again is because my office is cold and my, you know, my desk is up here. So I have this all set up in the corner of my office and my office is cold. And these, I have four or five hoodies in my rotation, like any normal guy. If you're a man and you have more than five hoodies in your rotation, you're at least, you know, a metro sexual male. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but, you know, I've got five hoodies that I like to wear and I wear three of them more than the rest and it's cold. So that's it. That's why I wear the same three or four hoodies repeating. That's why sometimes you even see me down here wearing a winter hat because it's cold down here and because I'm a guy and I don't put a whole lot of thought into my wardrobe. If you would like to start seeing me decked out in, in some fancy pants and, and, you know, maybe a shirt and a tie or something like that, I could, I could make that happen, but I, I got to admit it would be weird. So that's this weekend's show as stated, uh, possibly, or this weekday's show. And as stated, possibly by next week, we may be doing this show live moving forward. I did this as a one take this time as a practice for doing it live. So if I wasn't quite as succinct and uh, on point as I normally am, I don't think I'm ever really on point uh, totally. I apologize, but we're going to try to get into doing this live because it's easier, might be a little bit cooler. We can probably field questions live from people as they're watching. And it'll just be easier for me because once I'm done recording, I hit stop and the show is over and I get to get back to working and playing with the kids. So thank you for putting us over 3,000 subscribers. Be sure to like, subscribe, and hit the notification bell if you want to be notified when we put new videos out. And as always, enjoy. Enjoy.